Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hey everyone, so glad to be back here with you. We are so excited to share some insights and gems that we have learned along the way in our 15 years of marriage. Because this past week mm-hmm. was our 15th anniversary. It was, and we celebrated a lot. We did. And it was amazing, so and I feel so fun. full. Yeah. So full. That's why we took a week off. Yep. We celebrated 15 years of marriage. And we're coming back to talk about 15 things that we learned about in these 15 years. Yeah, it's kind of hard to boil living, breathing relationship down to 15 things. But I think we've got some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. So we will start. They're not in any order of importance. um, So we'll just get started. Friendship is everything in marriage. Nurture it enjoy it, pursue it, really, really focus on the friendship aspect of the relationship. Because yeah, your business partners, your like domestic partners who have to run a house, your parenting partners, your, you have your sexual relationship. What other like parts of a relationship? Financial. Uh, Spiritual. Your spiritual partners, but. Did you say business? Yep. Business. Could be actual business too. Could be. Yeah. So all of these elements require nurturing, but the friendship we feel is like the foundation of all of those things flourishing as a couple. Yeah. And I, there's even research that shows that, um, John Gottman, he's studied marriage for 40 years. He's, it's really interesting. He's a statistician who studies marriage and love. (laughs) His wife is a counselor. So they have a cool little dynamic and one of the things that he has boiled relationships down is positive regard, Mm. which occurs in trust and and friendship. Yes. So when there's, when a a couple is stuck, he encourages them to remember what it was like to be dating. What what drew you to your spouse, Mm -hmm. to your partner? When we think back, we may be stuck in something, conflict, life, stress. Mm-hmm. When we think back, we wanted to get married. We wanted to date each other because we had this positive regard. Yeah. We looked at each other and we saw nothing but good. Yes. They couldn't do anything wrong. <laughs> and there was this friendship and there was trust built. And he, so he starts out by having these people just talk, tell their story and remember those times. And that can shift our perspective yeah. and help us remember that this is not all that there was. Mm-hmm. To have that friendship, build that positive regard, that trust, um, is important to to continue enjoying life together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that enjoyment, as life gets stressful, um, I mean, dating is is not real life in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's kind of a pseudo sim world or something. Yeah. You don't really have all the stressors of life together, Especially and so if you're it does. Dating early on in your life like we did true well we definitely didn't have many stress i mean it felt stressful it's all relative but compared to like adult life because we dated when we were 15 and 16 but yeah it like you said it's so important to to get back to that to return often to that component of friendship in a relationship and as we talk you'll notice a lot of these are intertwined Mm -hmm, definitely so there's a few that i'm just thinking of as we're 
move on, they're going to feed back to the importance of friendship. Absolutely. And nurturing. All right. So that's what's number our one. next? Yep. Next, we can go to, it's actually okay to go to bed angry. What? I've always heard to never go to bed angry. It's yeah. actually even in the Bible too, but we'll give a little more context. Yeah. We, early on in our marriage, we took that literally. <laughs> we would fight. We would fight all like night. Until like 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning so we wouldn't go to bed angry. I'm not going to bed. We were oh, diligent and not going to bed angry. We were something. But throughout the years, we realized that we were actually causing more issues yeah. than we were helping. Like yeah. We don't need to fight for five hours <laughs> so that we don't go to bed angry. How about we go to bed angry, we get a good night of rest, feel rested, have a new perspective, and then we pick back up the next day. Yep. And when we did that, it shifted a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say it's important to say that's what you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, we talk a lot about attachment on this podcast and avoiding attachment, anxious attachment, or the disorganized, which is anxious avoidant. All three of those insecure attachment types would struggle and have a certain way of handling conflict poorly. And it's important to, for both parties, regardless of which type you are, to say, okay, time out. We are destroying each other. Every step we take is just hurting more and more. Let's stop. Let's go to bed. I know we're both totally pissed at each other. Let's just stop. And we will talk about this tomorrow. So we haven't always done that perfectly, for yeah. sure. Definitely the rolling over in bed and cold shoulder, all that yeah. ridiculous stuff. But when we have done that, I think that's even more assuring because it's like that reminder to our to ourselves that we're going to pick this back up. We're not abandoning each other. We're not avoiding conflict. We're going to figure it out and we're going to feel reconnected again soon. Yeah, and it's important to know how you do this already if you want to make that shift mm -hmm. because I would always avoid, yeah, which would leave you anxious. Yeah. So now if I don't speak it clearly, mm -hmm. you're going to, even if I have good intentions, even if I'm not avoiding, your body's going to experience that as, oh, he's just going to run. Yeah. I can't trust him to come back. Yeah. But knowing that I also have to be aware that you're feeling that. So I make sure I do come back. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's really important to know your patterns already and your spouse's patterns so that you can attune to that and make choices with that information. Right. Which is super challenging mm -hmm. when you're activated. Right. If you're in conflict and it's not going well, we will 100% guarantee that you are triggered uh, slash attachment styles activated. Um, and so those choices are really hard to make in that place. But like Luke said, you have to know that going, you have to know that in conflict, what your pattern is, what your spouse's pattern is, or it's just going to cause more and more hurt. Yeah. And I had a professor, he used the language of an inner room. Mm -hmm. And I, <laughs> so helpful for us. I use it all the time now, even that when we take that time out, a lot of times when we take that time out, we'll go to our inner room. And that, and he described it as a place where we go to when we're hurt to fill up on pain, uh, on arguments, on defenses, on excuses, on reasons why your spouse is a bad spouse. Mm -hmm. uh, what if I could have this person or if she could only be like, like this person, if he could only be like that husband, like he'd be so, I'd be so much happier. 
when you fill up on that. It's a toxic room. It's a toxic Get room. Get out. <laughs> and we are responsible for the results of what happens there. Mm -hmm. So if we fill up on that toxicity, when you come back to it, we're going not to come back to it to want to talk with a per your spouse or reconnect. You're going to want to talk to your spouse and defend and argue and debate and reason and excuse. And that's not helpful. Yeah. So when you take that time out, you go to bed, don't spend your time in your inner room. Mm -hmm. Instead, look at what needs am I looking for to be met? What are being missed? And what is my spouse's needs as something's being missed with them too? And how yeah. can I meet them? That's, yeah. that's more beneficial way of taking that time out and reconnecting for purpose. So good. And reconnection. Yep. So, so good. So uh, number three is about kids. Basically the idea of letting our kids see through the way we engage with our spouse, how much we value marriage. Kids are so demanding, literally, they are so demanding that it's easy to, in marriage, just kind of yield to all their needs and forget our spouse's needs and our needs in the relationship. And so, you know, we see this a lot and it's there's no shame here, but it's just a common trend that parents will put way more effort and energy and intentionality into parenting, even not a survival, but avoid, uh, not avoid to the detriment of the the marital relationship. And we just see how kids get so much of a safety, a safe feeling and a safe reality when they know that their parents are doing okay. And they know that their parents are prioritizing each other. They couldn't maybe articulate all this, but they feel it. And so it's really important for us and it's been important for us to put a lot into our relationship, prioritize it. And on top of all of that, when we are connected, we're meeting each other's emotional needs and our kids don't have to meet our emotional needs. Oh. So then there's that safety in that aspect mm. that they can be kids mm -hmm. and we are not looking for them to meet our emotional mm -hmm. needs. Which um, there's a few names for that. What's the one that's least offensive? <laughs> Do you remember? Parentified. Parentifying, yeah, but the, the abuse... Um, uh, there's one that's not as bad. Emotional incest. Yeah, that one's pretty <laughs> awful too. So there's a lot of names in psychology for it, but basically we're not supposed to get our needs met from our kids. We're supposed to get them met from our spouse. And if we're not married, from friends and peers and family, not from children. That doesn't mean that children aren't beneficial relationship for right. us, but yeah. our, our emotional needs are not supposed to be met from our, met children. our kids. Yeah, so that's such a good point, babe. Uh, we don't want to do that. And a lot of us have had that happen to us from our parents where their relationship wasn't good. So we kind of become that 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 spouse almost for our parent. And it's it's really leads to a lot of brokenness and pain. Yeah. So another one is learning to be okay even when our spouse isn't okay. Whew. So this kind of touches on a little bit of codependency and learning how to regulate yourself even when your spouse isn't doing okay. So mm -hmm. giving them space to not be okay mm -hmm. and being able to cope, regulate yourself, be a parent, take care of the house, but not allow their dysregulation to dysregulate us and then take it out on each other mm -hmm. because you feel abandoned or mm -hmm. alone or scared. 
but learning how to do your own work, know your own story, know your own triggers, and be a supportive relationship for your spouse when they're having bad days. Mm-hmm. Letting them to struggle, letting them not have to have it all together all the time. And this is, it's, again, it can be challenging. And this has been an area in our marriage where it's not a struggle, but it has been a, a place of focus. Yeah. Intentionality. I would say we could say struggle. It's all right. Struggle. For me, it's been a massive yeah. struggle. I think I said challenge, but struggle, definitely a struggle. You definitely said struggle. Okay. Yeah. It's probably true. The beauty of these odd, these tools that we'll just be able to go back and listen to it. <laughs> I'll be like, I was right. <laughs> I get too much enjoyment out of that. Just kidding, babe. Yeah. It's been something we've had to work to create health yeah. in that area a lot. I mean, that's insecure attachment. Yeah. At its finest. Not being okay. Needing other people to tell you that it's okay. Exactly. Yeah. And doing it, uh, growing in that area, being able to regulate yourself, even when your spouse is feeling crappy or, or even being crappy, that is what your body deserves. Right. You don't have to kind of be sucked up into that hard place that they're at. It's okay that they're in a hard place and you should love them and support them as you can, Yeah. but you don't have to be and vice versa. Right. It's like, it's such a different paradigm. And honestly, these things are on a subconscious level. Sure. Like no one's like, oh, they're having a bad day. I'm going to just jump in and join them. Oh, I'm going to be mad at them for this. Right. It's really very much uh, attachment level, like uh, body level experiential. Body, yeah, totally. So it has, doesn't have that language or consciousness of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's been a huge point of growth for us. I think at 15 years, we definitely can do that much more. Yeah. And I'm excited just to see how as we continue to grow our own regulation ability, we'll be able to stay grounded. Yeah. Stay grounded. Even when we have hard days and then be able to be there for each other more and be able to be there for the kids. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cause when both parents, <laughs> they're both dysregulated. It's not pretty. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We've been there so many times. Okay. So that's so good. And kind of connected to that would be conflict. Our next point is not, the end of the world. So again, it intertwines with, you can go to bed angry. Mm-hmm. Conflict is not the end of the world. It's not the thing we, if you avoid conflict, then you have a good marriage. If there's no conflict in your marriage, you've arrived. Mm-hmm. No conflict is not the thing that we're trying to cut out of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Doing conflict hurtfully, abusively, unproductively, that's what we want to Yes. Work on and get out of our marriage. But conflict can actually be strengthening to our marriage. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's just unrealistic to want conflict out of relation to work conflict out of a relationship. It's unrealistic. It totally is. And we grow so much in conflict. We see, we learn so much about our spouse. We learn insights we would have never known if we didn't come across that conflict. And it can be so good. But I think just compassion for ourselves because the reason it's scary is um, more than just the cognitive idea of, I don't like to fight. Right. It's it's because our bodies and our neurological systems for, because of our stories, yeah. are often terrified of those breaks in relationship. And it, and it tells us this break is 
is the end of the world. This break will ruin your relationship. You will, you won't be okay. It sends is, out that alarm. This that is the conflict that he's going to leave me or mm-hmm. she's going to not be there for me. Mm-hmm. And it feels that big. Yeah. And, and that's, that's okay. It doesn't mean we're like foolish or illogical. It's our story. Right. And we've come to those conclusions physically, mm-hmm. honestly. Yep. We have. And so not being so afraid of, of having to go into those spaces of conflict and being able to bring safety, like something we've talked about a lot together is conflict never got okay until we could bring safety into conflict. And there's no like simple equation on how to do that. No, that was years of work mm-hmm. and lots of conversations and messing up and doing it wrong and talking about right. it and trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this better? Exactly. But we're getting there. And there's hope for anyone. If yeah. conflict is a hard area for you in your relationship, we just encourage you to try and create safety around it and attunement so that your neurological system can calm down and you can engage on a heart-to-heart yeah. level, not this reactive, triggered level. Yeah. I remember just a couple of years ago talking about conflict. Like, mm-hmm. our marriage is so good, so strong in so many ways, but conflict, <laughs> we just cannot figure this yeah. out. Yeah, it's been recent for us. And it was that idea of safety and understanding attachment, even Enneagram number. Mm-hmm. And that just brought so much insight to how we can love each other, mm-hmm. which could bring safety. Yeah. And it has turned the corner. It has totally turned the corner. Another thing that I that I want to point out with this conflict, this is kind of like a sidebar, but I think it's important is all conflict doesn't need to be like hashed out for four hours. <laughs> yes. We also used to do this way too much. And that was probably more me because Luke's avoidant. He would probably have just put it under the rug more easily. But I would pursue it like crazy. And anyways, we ended up kind of everything that every place we'd miss, we felt like we had to really talk out and hash out. And so this is really specific to you and your relationship and how everyone's feeling. You can't follow a formula for this either. But some things just are not a big deal. They're not, it's not necessary to excavate and to figure out and do all that with. And we've had to learn that along the way. And I would say if you, if your relationship already avoids, this isn't information for you. But if you tend to really focus on every conflict and it be just so emotionally draining for you, for you both, and you feel like you can't move on and feel reconnected unless everything is teased apart. Um, this might be helpful for you that just some things we're human and we're just gonna mess up a lot and quick recoveries. I'm sorry, not holding grudges and just moving on with the day and allowing yourself to reconnect in love without it being perfect. Right. And I think something that helped us a tool is content versus process, Mm -hmm. which I think we want to talk about in a future episode because we we can't go in depth right now, but just the idea of like teasing everything out. Like you don't have to understand why everything was said. What was the meaning behind everything? What was, uh, why did you say this when they said this? Like it's where you get debating of what perspective is right and wanting to be understood fully. Mm -hmm. But what's important is understanding the emotion that was behind the words that we're saying. Yeah. What was the need that was trying to get met? Yeah. What was uh, the hurt? Understand those things and 
love and connect on those things, understand and validate those needs. Mm-hmm. Not, not, you don't have to agree with what's being said. Right. Understand and affirm what was the emotion and the feelings and the hurts. All right. So another, the next one, this has been one of the hardest things that we've, we've learned to apply. And this is kind of in process. Yeah. We're probably like elementary school level with this one. Yeah. (laughs) And it may sound silly when I say it. Yeah. Prioritizing fun. Life is not all serious. Mm. But isn't it? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it feels it. So much of the time. It feels it. And we both tend to be kind of serious people. We're in the gut triad, both of us. We tend to just feel things deeply and stay there and stay there. And we have different responses as a nine and an eight, but we are both on the serious side. And fun has for a long time seemed... It's kind of escaped escaped us. It's escaped us because it seemed irrelevant maybe like what's the point or what's that's so it's not safe unattainable right like right i go to a six and stress a six is catastrophizes and prepares mm-hmm. for the worst case scenario yeah so that's what i did yeah. i had to be prepared be prepared for uh what is going to happen um and <laughs> yeah. part of my story i'm even learning recently is being fun or putting my guard down yeah. was when I got hurt. Yeah. It was when danger entered emotionally. Yes. And so even that has been a part of my newer recognitions. So why I also avoid mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. It's it's not safe to be fun. It's not safe mm-hmm. to be not on guard. Yes. You really can't enjoy fun fully if you're in survival mode. And there's elements of being in survival mode that we've been in for a long, long time. So fun just hasn't always felt safe. Fun is like a higher level brain activity. And when your body is in a hypervigilant state of surviving, fun is like, ah, not applicable. Not a priority. Not a priority at all. So yeah, like Luke said, this is, we're, we're not super far along with this but i would say in the last year we've made huge strides yeah and we've had lots of fun and it changed our experience it has that fun can be safe yeah 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 so i think the more we do it just like everything with the brain the more we do it the more it'll, it'll re it'll do a different pathway different neural pathway of oh fun let's have fun we'll actually desire it we'll actually pursue it it'll feel good and safe and prioritize it. Yep. yep. Agreed. So cultivate your own identity is our next takeaway. And then it, within that, encourage your spouse's own identity too. Yes, we end up marrying people who we have similar passions and interests in, but that shouldn't be or isn't everything. And so learning to cultivate our own uh, unique Things we're drawn to, things we care about, things Hobbies, we enjoy. passions, interests. Mm-hmm. We don't want to create many, like another one of us. Right. Like you're, have a different personality, different passions. Am I interested in the things you're interested in? I am. But am I going to pursue them and be passionate about them like you are? No. Right. And same with my passions and hobbies mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. You'll, 
tolerate them or <laughs> listen, <laughs> pretend like you're interested. Try really hard to be interested. <laughs> As I'm very inefficient in my hobbies and yeah. like to be more productive. I do. <laughs> But as we've learned to encourage those differences, it's helped us become, be able to have fun, mm -hmm. uh, not have that codependency. Yeah. And value the differences in us and in the world. Definitely. Yep. And there are some, like I liked how you said, we're, we both have our own and we can be interested in each other's, but we're not going to just take them on. And then there's some in the middle that we both do. Right. Like, podcasting and all things mental health like yep. that that really was uh, started as your your career your interest your schooling for years and years and years and then it just became something we talked about so much and read about together and shared resources with and yeah it became something for both so it's it's cool it just depends on your relationship it depends on what you do it doesn't have to be all the same it doesn't have to be all the different all different but i think the important takeaway is learning to cultivate in yourself, knowing yourself in your heart and how you're uniquely made and pursuing those things for your enrichment and for the world's enrichment. Yeah. Being okay that we don't have to spend every minute together. We don't have mm -hmm. to spend every activity together, every hobby together to have a good marriage. It's actually good to have our own identity apart from our marriage. Absolutely. I think if we were to force each other to have similar hobbies. Oh man, that wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to enjoy the ones that we do want to have together. Right. Because we would be like fighting that. Like, no, I need something. Yeah. By my own. Yeah. Because we've encouraged each other to have our own hobbies and given us space, we've naturally just the things that come together. We have similar interests in, have meshed, and <laughs> you're smiling. <laughs> Would I say something wrong? Interests. Interests is. I think. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> Interest, interest in. in that was a tongue twister <laughs> yes i Similar hear you interest in yeah we uh are able to facilitate those to get they are able to work to um exist yeah yep coexist <laughs> <laughs> so, i'm gonna cut this uh this episode short <laughs> no we're not it's awesome so the next one is uh you want to love your spouse, attune to them. And if this isn't your first episode and you've heard a bunch, you're probably like, attunement, attunement, attunement. Hopefully, I hope you're like that. I hope that message has been loud and freaking clear. Attunement is how you love. Attunement isn't over overindulging and smothering someone. And attunement isn't hiding from someone. It is being exactly the way loving someone the exactly the way they need you to love them in that day in that moment mm. so sometimes it's more love sometimes it's it's space. you know more physical love or more encouragement more space there's so many different needs we have as dynamic complex humans that attunement is the only way there's no formulas there's no computer program that can teach you how to love a human there's nothing that can be manufactured because it's in the moment love yeah. it's how you dance with your spouse yep. with in light of their needs and so if you want to love your spouse more attune better yeah. and i feel like that's been what the last several years of our marriage has been is learning to attune not what we think you should need right now but what do you actually need yeah like i'm young i put it this way with parents and children 
attuning to a child is picking them up when they want to be picked up and putting them down when they want to be put down. It's not holding them all the time and it's not avoiding them all the time. It's attuning, it's knowing the need of the child and the the nuances and the signals that they give off mm-hmm. and give them what they want and need in that moment. Yeah. So same with with a spouse. It's holding them when they want to be held and giving them space when they want space. Yep. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. In all the ways. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's like under that's like the foundation of really so much of all these things. So much. So the next one is let grace abound in this relationship. It takes time mm. to get any of these things right mm-hmm. or to make progress mm-hmm. on them. It really does. And in order to get them right, you're going to make tons and tons and tons of mistakes. <laughs> you are going to hurt your spouse. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to try to attune and you're going to give them what they don't want. You're going to give them space when they want closeness. You're going to, give them cl- you're going to be on top of them when they want space. And um, yeah. you're going to ha- want to have fun when they want to be serious. I mean, we're going to make mistakes. Like one of the funniest, funny stories that, about this I always use is when we try to do, learn how to do conflict years ago, mm-hmm. our counselor said, as I was avoiding, she was anxious. It's like, okay, Lauren, you're no longer responsible for uh, conflict. That's your job. I didn't know how to do it. So <laughs> when I was mad at her, I let her know, you're a jerk. And I think we're just supposed to talk about this. <laughs> and it was, it wasn't that bad, but it was pretty bad. Yeah. It, it was it messy. Was, it was messy. It was so messy. But even back then, that was probably like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You had grace. I mean, we would fight about it. But yeah. then afterwards, we're like, okay, you're trying. You keep trying. For sure. And Cur- she attuned and saw where I was trying, but we also talked about where I was making, not tuning well or yeah. not communicating well. And that has been in so many other areas. Yeah. Just, just grace. Just extending that grace over and over and over because honestly, we need it over and over and over why the heck wouldn't our spouse just like just what's those words not smothering with grace (laughs) like letting grace just flow through all the spaces of your relationship that are not where they need to be yet or not or all the places in the seasons of your life that are just so hard and crappy and so you can't be how you want to be because you're just struggling so much just cover it with grace and just a tiny caveat this is not when there's abuse going on at all, right. yes. ever. Yes. These things are, are well, the things we share are, uh, we haven't talked in depth about this, but we have very clear, distinct views about this. And these things are when there is a healthy, growing relationship. Mutually desired uh, intentionality for the betterment of the other person. Right. If there is a clear, dis- a distinct abusive pattern there's different things you need to follow grace should not be a part of that relationship yeah probably (laughs) that's probably a true statement one like you were saying something and made me think of oh we need grace like that's something that helped me Mm -hmm. is when i was able to receive your love Mm -hmm. and i stopped trying to prove myself i started seeing your grace was amazing. It felt so good. 
Mm. And it helped me to see, like, I want her to feel this. Mm. And so that's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to be able to give that grace that I've received. Mm. And so it was like, I, I switching in my, my mm. mental mm -hmm. state of yeah. rather than defensiveness or proving myself, it was, I want to offer her yes. the gift of grace, give her space to grow. Like she's given me space to grow and heal. Wow. That's beautiful. So, and you've totally done it and I like it. It does feel so good. Yeah. So I just encourage like when there's not abuse present, yeah. give grace. Yeah. And if you've been receiving grace, be willing to give that grace. Absolutely. Your spouse is worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So number 10 is ditch the roles, the ideas of what roles should be and find what works for you. You're your own unique relationship with two different distinct people, with different talents and interest and things are good at or things they suck at. Mm -hmm. So go with that and find what works in your, in your home, who does what, who, who does the different roles like logistically or who does the different roles with parenting jobs, all of that. Who Everything. cares yeah. what culture says about those things? As long as you guys are doing it together and you're, you're accommodating for one another and trying to be fair ish. I don't know if fair is the right word. It, you know as long I mean? as it's working for you guys mm -hmm. and neither one of you feel taken advantage of. Right. Um, like it's may not look like any other relationship and that's okay. It doesn't have to look like, your parents mm -hmm. or your friends or your people at your church. Like you are unique people with unique gifts. Like Lauren's saying, yep. somebody, you may not fit the normal stereotypes. That's okay. Yeah. Figure out what works for you and what makes you guys happy. What makes you guys run smoothly. Yes. Yeah. And, and take the stress off of you the most. Yeah. And that takes time too. And that takes time <laughs> and make, makes mistakes cause you have fights, yeah, but grace, tumult, compassion, love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, the next one is just the idea that money stress and focusing on money is just not worth it. Uh, and we realize that we're coming to this point from a place of privilege and never truly being starving. So that just needs yeah. to be said. So we have had times where we have had very, very little and it's been stressful, yeah. but we've also seen that the less we hypermanage all those areas of money, the better we feel and the more we're able to enjoy our life and our days instead of overthinking everything. It's been really, really important for us. And um, I'm really thankful that we're able to be in this space now because we don't fight about money. Yeah. We just, we don't fight about it. Uh, we really trust God to provide and he's done so in amazing ways, but we also just realize life is too short to be consumed by the, the concept of more money, saving money, scrimping money, all of those things. It's just kind of a freedom that we found there. Yeah. And I think that was also part of our reason why another additional reason why it was hard to have fun because mm -hmm. we couldn't have fun because it costs money. Right. 
whether it was three dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars. Yeah. It's like, no, we can't do that. It's not necessary. Yeah. Well, what if having fun is necessary to being a healthy human? Right. Oh, wow, that's a novel thought for us. And as you look at the neuroscience, it actually is yep. a ne- necessity. Yep. And thankfully it doesn't need to be super expensive. Nope. But but still, like giving yourself the freedom to prioritize even those things right. financially. Yep. Be smart, but don't be stressed. Yeah, that's been really helpful for us. That's what's been helpful for us, exactly. The next one is pursuing mutually satisfying sex lives. We've talked about sex a few times on this podcast. It's an important part of marriage. It is. I think it's an important part of the 15 years of marriage of ours, Mm -hmm. of learning how what that looks like. Yeah. Like Lauren was mentioned before about abusive relationships, this is also a place where abuse happens or control or manipulation. Mm-hmm. So to pursue sex with mutually satisfying intentions, mm. it's not just for the man, it's not just for the woman, but that's more likely less the motivation. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's not just for the man. Sex is not for procreation mm-hmm. only. It is for a deep connection, intimacy, and expression of love and relationship. Yeah. And that is to be done for the benefit of both people and mm-hmm. the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along with that, mutually satisfying sex is talking about it openly. Yeah. What are the interests? What are the needs? What are the, what are you nervous about? What are you scared about? What are you intimidated? What's your insecurities? Mm-hmm talking about all of those things openly with attunement, with love, with compassion, with safety. Yeah. It's made Um, such a, it's, it's made our sexual relationship so fulfilling and so comfortable because those elements are there. And it's a place where you can have fun. Right. And explore an adventure. Yep. Just such a part of being human that, and I think a, a lot of our demographics listening are probably, married couples with kids at home and i would say that culturally it's kind of the idea of well once life gets busy like sex isn't really a priority anymore and we understand completely that there's certain seasons like after having a baby or seasons of grief or physical issues like there's absolutely times where sex is not the priority and that's completely healthy and fine but we would just say for us, like whenever we realize we're kind of getting in a rut in that area, we always come back to the the foundation of our love and why we why we love each other and trying to nurture that area of our sex life again. And mm-hmm. I think that's been really good because I can see how years can get away from people and it's just not it's not an important part. Yeah. And it and it it I don't want to say should. There's so much there to be experienced and enjoyed. Yeah. And if you're not intentionally nurturing it, it kind of can just go by the wayside and it's not good for either one of you when that happens. Yep. Yeah. It's more than just physical. It's oh, like completely. Connections. Completely. Yeah. So mutually satisfying sex lives. Um, be supportive friends as you parent together. So this is not a parenting episode, but parenting is a big part of a lot of your lives. And as We've parented together. We have realized that what we really need in that, yes, we strategize and (laughs) do all these things, you know, to keep our kids healthy and alive. But we just need to be friends in parenting because parenting is hard. 
so excruciatingly (laughs) painful. And we need each other. We need that comfort. And, you know, your spouse is the only one who gets your kids. You can explain your kids till you're blue in the face to someone else. They don't have a clue compared to your partner. So for us, that's been so good to grow that, to be able to listen to each other, encourage each other, try not to like let each other go at our own pace with parenting. And um, yeah, it's just been good to be, to learn to become supportive friends as we parent together. Yeah. So we got two more. We do. We're wrapping it up. So the next one is take relational risk for love. It's scary, but it can be so worth it. So this is the idea of emotional bids. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. It's the currency of the relationship. Yes. When you give an emotional bid and that's received, there's a deposit into the bank of relationship and in your love tank. And it's hard to take those risks and to give that emotional bid. It could be as much as little as smiling at your partner after a fight. Yes. Or <laughs> like that's an emotional bid. Are we okay? And for that partner to see that and not be prideful, mm. but give that smile back, yeah. receive that emotional bid. But it could be bigger ones, like we've mm-hmm. talked in the past, of mm-hmm. of pursuing your partner for sex or mm-hmm. giving a hug. Or, mm-hmm. or being being willing to go to counseling with your partner. Yep. Because there's things that need to be worked on, but that's a terrifying thought for you. Well, guess what? Your relationship is worth it. You're worth it. Take that risk. Exactly. And that's an emotional bid. That's huge. And if you receive that emotional bid, it is going to be a big investment in your relationship. Absolutely. Not we, not just the counseling, but like just going, showing you, mm-hmm. showing your partner that you want to get better. You yeah. want you, that your relationship matters. Then the work that you do in the relationship and the counseling is a continual investment. Yeah. I just think as we were creating these top 15 things in the last 15 years, I was thinking about how much we've been through and how, like, if I could talk to my younger self as I was walking through all these years, it's like, I think I would just tell her, oh, Lauren, like, there's so much risk here. There's so much risk because there's going to be pain. Yeah. But it's so worth it. Again, context of safe relationship. Um, it's so worth putting yourself out there in love for your spouse and all their imperfections and all of your imperfections because what you can grow is something so beautiful and those yeah. risks unfortunately are completely part of the package has you're be. not going to get there without those risks so yeah i love that you you, you put in that specific of the bids because so much of it does boil down to those back and forth bids between partners and it's because there's safety that those bids can happen mm-hmm. because of that attunement because of grace exactly like, again all a lot of these are intertwined they're not yeah. separate they they feed each other yes and so it's really important that you look at the context of the relationship and, and just continue to invest on the, all of it. And the last one, mm-hmm. which kind of summons, this isn't really an additional one. It's kind yeah. of just summarizes the previous 14 yep. is intentionality. Yes. Such a good word. <laughs> Every single one of these steps takes intentionality. Mm. You have to be intentional to give grace, to have fun, to pursue sex, to uh, give an emotional bid, to be a friend. Mm-hmm. Like there's, they don't just happen 
from being married for a long period of time. No. It doesn't just happen once you hit five years, oh, you guys start being friends or right. sex starts being being better. It, it It's intentionality of investment, mm. of taking those risks. And, what, and we're intentional about things that matter. Yeah. So we choose to walk in intentionality with our spouse because we realize they matter and the relationship is so, so worth the intentionality that it takes to get to get really awesome. Like our relationship's always been amazing. Yeah. But the place we've gotten to now is like it's just above and beyond what I thought a relationship could be. Absolutely. It's so fulfilling. It just brings so much joy to my life and so little heartache. It's it's incredible. It and is. I want this for everyone. Yeah. I was just thinking just feeling very full after yeah. talking about these 15 things. Yeah. Your brain is full of all those happy hormones (laughs) and connections. Yeah. It has been an amazing 15 years. Mm, Mm. Really has. I've loved them. I love the journey, the adventure. And you are worth it. You are worth it. Yeah. I look forward to more years. Me too. Maybe we'll still have our podcast at at 30. We can do another 15. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. It's been great to reminisce on the last 15 years and hopefully these have been helpful for you and your special person. As many of you know, Luke and I live in Thailand where we work here as volunteers. The Fail to Flourish podcast is done in addition to our normal job roles here. If you have been encouraged by the content that we've produced, we would love you to consider a small monthly donation to the podcast so we can continue making the time and, um, content that people are really enjoying and it's been an encouragement and blessing to so many. All you have to do is click on the link in the episode description and it's really easy to give there. Thank you so much for considering. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.